Whether you're streaming from home or you're here in person, for me and my family, church has been worshiping in our living room, in our pajamas, eating breakfast, and chasing two little ones around. It's been a little crazy, but still a precious time to spend together and stay connected with our church family online. My name is Taylor Leal, and I am the Early Childhood Director here at our Troy campus. If you're checking us out for the first time or you're relatively new, welcome. Please introduce yourself by texting HELLO to 248-781-2771. You can also learn more about us and who we are at kensingtonchurch.org and also by downloading the Kensington Church app. And of course, you can stay connected with us 24-7 on all of our social media channels. All right, I know you're excited to get deeper into today's service, but before we do, I have a few things to celebrate with you. It doesn't take much to get us excited around here. Guys, we have a new digital program. I know, extremely futuristic and totally out of this world. In all seriousness, we want you to stay connected and know what is happening. You can access the digital program on the Kensington Church app. If that didn't get you excited, this one surely will. In the last couple of weeks, elementary kids at our Birmingham, Troy, and Orion campuses got a full-on camp experience with Spring Hill close to home, and our Traverse City campus will soon be hosting camps this month as well. We are talking bungee jumping, rock climbing, crafts, silly songs, the whole nine yards, all while following guidelines to ensure the safest summer fun possible. We got a glowing report from families. Kids experienced much needed time with their peers, learned about Jesus, and created lasting memories. We're so grateful we're still able to offer this tradition in partnership with our friends from Spring Hill. In the spirit of celebration, we are wrapping up our series called Remember and are so grateful for the lessons we have learned while looking at the life of Joshua. At the end of today's service, we will be celebrating communion together. So for all of you watching online, we would love for you to join us as well. You can take this time to grab some juice, crackers, or whatever you can find in the kitchen to take part of this beautiful sacrament. Right now, we are going to get caught up and remember what was covered during the previous weeks in this series. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't quit today on your faith, on your marriage, on your kids, on your finances, on your addiction. Don't quit today. Tomorrow may your breakthrough. We said in that first window to 40 people, we said, if you're gonna do this with us, we want you to forget yourself. Mm. This is not about you. This is not about a church service you like or something that's pleasing to you. It's join us if you wanna see the people of this world know how much Jesus loves them. And it's so hard to say. <laughs> it really is to, 
to leave this. But our full-time job will change. And Ann and I are so sad on one side and so excited on the other side. So there's this tension as really the Wilsons step away uh, from Kensington. And, uh, but we also know uh, the future's bright. So in summary, Dave's, Dave and Ann are gonna do family life full-time. I'm gonna be here. I'm gonna be serving under the leadership of what we're calling the interim executive pastor. And over time, it became absolutely clear to the elders, to Dave and I and the elders, that Danny was the clear choice to be the next interim executive pastor along the way. And I just wanna say, I am joyfully putting my life under your leadership. That's the first thing I have to say to both of you. I have a great love for you, great respect for you, and for Mark. And the, that moment when you guys said yes to Jesus, I, I benefited from that. Your, your yes meant so much for me and my family. But boy, what a wild, wild time to lead uh, and a wild time to even go through what we're going through. But it's the timing that God has given us and we have hope in Christ. So. Probably one of the clearest things throughout the scriptures that God says, do not forget, are the moments that he has showed up and been present in our lives is the work that he has done in us and even the work he has done through us. Because of Jesus, we have an ability to have an actual legitimate relationship with God. And in that relationship, God now does his best building and his best work, not around us, but in us so that we would actually become these stones. Peter says living stones, that people would look at our lives and say, Masavat, what happened here? And nobody knows with any type of certainty what is going to happen on the other side of this. But the reason why we can have confidence, the reason why we can have peace, and the reason why we can still have hope is because even though we may not know what is going to happen, we know who will meet us there. Each time God says, be strong and courageous, connected with it is this implication that you need to remember something that God has already done. When we struggle with knowing the what, we lean into the who. In other words, when we struggle with what's to come or we struggle with what's in the future, then we lean on just who God is and we remember not just what God has done, but we remember just who it is we're praying to, who it is that we're talking to and trusting in, and not only just who he is, but who we are and whose we are. As we move into the future with each new day unfolding new challenges or joys, let us not forget the works of God we have seen. He has been faithful and he will be faithful. Let's remember. I won't be alone. 
to see things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do. And I will love you, Lord, my sheep. I will love you, Lord, my sheep. And I will love you, Lord, my love. Deliver all my days. I will love
there's a line in that song, and it says, you're where my help comes from. Man, I'm so grateful that we can go to God, that he's an approachable God that we can go to no matter what is going on in our lives. That when we need help, that we can run to him. And it doesn't matter if it's something major and big that's affecting our entire world or if it's just affecting you personally. Whether it be the moments that you're just like, I can't make it through this. The times where we mess up and we've made some mistakes to know that we can go to God. He, because he is the God that reigns. That means he is a God who is in control. He is above all. And he sees and knows all. But we can trust him because of that. And we can trust that he's a good God who is always for us. Always for us. Because he is in control. Will you pray with me this morning? God, I just thank you so much that no matter where we are in our life, that we can always turn to you that in the moments that are incredible and we feel like we're just living our best life to the moments that are so difficult and so hard where things don't make sense, the times where, we're, where we've even done the things that we're like, oh my gosh, God, I messed up, that we can come to you, that you are an approachable God that we can come to for our help because at the end of the day, you are the God who reigns supreme and a God who loves us and that we can trust in you. In your precious and holy name, amen. Well, good morning, Kensington. It's so great to be here with you guys today. And hello to everyone watching online. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Shauna. And I'm just so excited that I get to be here with you guys today. Um, and at this time, we are going to receive our offering. And if you are new or newer to Kensington, I want you to know this moment's not for you. It's for those of us that call Kensington home. Now, if you came prepared to give physically, I want to let you know that we're going to have some buckets at the doors on your way out of the auditorium today. Otherwise, you can give electronically. You can go to our website. You can go to our app. You can even text the word Kensington to 77977. And we just want to say thank you so much for just your faithful giving and for being on mission with us. We really, really appreciate that. Now, for those of you that have just kind of tuned in online, I want to let you know that we are going to be receiving communion today. So if you haven't had a chance yet, this would be a great moment to go get um, your elements, get some juice, get some goldfish crackers, whatever that is, so that you can participate with us um, at the end of service with that. So I have a question. Have you ever done something that felt really small, maybe insignificant, and even like you were like, ah, oh, I just overlooked that, it's fine, but it ended up becoming a much bigger deal later on? We've all had those moments. Now, 20 plus years ago, um, it was my first job in ministry working at a church on a youth staff. It's where I met my husband, we dated, fell in love, all that kind of fun stuff there. And um, it was a rather large church. We had a large youth staff. We had a, a big staff, a bunch of interns. Um, the youth group was about 500 kids every week. So there was a lot of people, okay? And so every year we would do a summer camp with them. And so a lot of times it would be like doing a Spring Hill. So you know how we kind of send our kids to Spring Hill here? We would become Spring Hill for the week, okay? So we would find a retreat center, a campground, something like that. We'd rent it out and we would do everything. So we'd provide the transportation, we'd do the big group stuff, small groups, the music, the fun, the games. Sometimes, some years we even did like the food, like we provided cooks and we had to bring all the food with us, right? So this is the day before we're leaving. 
and we're in a meeting with all the youth staff and interns, and we're going through the list, right? We have all the things we have to check off. All right, we got the stuff for the games, check. All right, the coolers, check. Okay, cool. Buses, what time are the buses coming? Silence. Um, didn't you book the buses? What time are they coming? Oh, I didn't book the buses. Did you book the buses? I didn't book the buses. Did you book the Nobody booked the buses. We have hundreds of kids that were to transfer the next day to a camp that is four hours away, okay? Not a single, like no one did. And all of a sudden became the call of shame. Hi, yeah, hi Mrs. Jones. Oh my goodness, yeah, we are so excited to see Sarah at camp tomorrow. Um, I knew that you were gonna drop her off at the church, but is there any way you could like drive her the four hours and drop her off at camp and take three friends and then drive four hours back? Okay, bye, right? Oh my gosh, you guys, we also had to find rides for hundreds of kids. We're talking neighbors, grandparents, strangers. We're like, hey, are you free tomorrow? I need you to drive some teenagers to a camp, okay? Because sometimes, okay, this is what happens, is our decisions can become someone else's consequences. Whew, and that's hard. And we're going to be looking at a story about a guy named Aiken, and this is exactly what happened to him. And so today we are wrapping up this series called Remember, and throughout the series we've been taking a look at the book of Joshua. So we're going to pick it up today in chapter 1, and we're going to read verse 1 right here. Chapter 7, verse 1, sir. But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of these dedicated things. So the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. So up until this point, Israel has had it pretty good. They've kind of been on like this winning streak, right? If you look at the course of their history, they're like, yo, we got rescued from Egypt. We crossed that Red Sea dry ground, right? And then we crossed the Jordan River on dry ground, and we conquered Jericho. So if you were here last week, Chris talked about Jericho. And so they conquered it, right? And it was awesome. Like, things have been going really well for them, okay? And with Jericho, God gave them some very specific instructions. So he told them how he, what, they were to conquer it, that whole marching around thing, right? But God also gave them very specific instructions on what to do when they conquered Jericho. So when they went into the city to conquer it, they were not to take anything for themselves. There was no plunder, no, nothing to be like, oh, one for me, two for you, God. It was nothing, right? Nothing for themselves. But now we have just read this verse that says this guy named Achan, he took some stuff. He stole some things. Now, for a moment, I'm a really visual kind of person, so let's just maybe picture the scene, okay? So it's Jericho. The walls have come down, right? And it's probably a very chaotic scene, right? Like, this is battle. They still have to conquer it, right? So it's probably really loud. There's noise. They're screaming. They're shouting. The clanging of metal as they fight, right? Buildings are collapsing. They're coming down. There's probably fires burning, and it's just a chaotic battle scene, right? But as it goes on, I'm sure parts of the city kind of became empty and quiet as people scattered, right? And they left. They left their homes. And the streets are just kind of empty. And maybe this is where we could find Achan? Maybe. Or maybe he was like in some one-on-one -on -one battle and they fight it out and the, the big battle's in the distance and he's like, yeah, victory. And then he's just kind of left there, right? And then he comes upon these things. Right? There's some money, there's some clothing, and, and maybe it was like the most he's ever seen. Maybe he's like, what? Man! Or maybe he's like, if I had that, my family, oh, we'd be set, right? Oh, 
probably looks around a little. Well, I mean, there's no one else here. Ah, I can't do that. No, 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 I can't do that. Man, but oh, if I did, you know, I mean, I could be like, hey, Joshua, cool, look what I found. Celebrate together. Yay, one for you, one for me. Like, no, 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 no. But, but my family, man, my family could, you know what? I deserve it, right? Man, I've been fighting in these battles. Man, it's about time I got something for me. It's always about, oh, God, Israel, can I have something? So what does he do? A little bit of this, a little bit of that, right? He takes it. And the day comes to a close. The battle ends, and no one knows what Achan did. Like, no one has a clue. And he's just kind of like, well, I just kind of bent the rule just just a little. It's okay. And he's just like, just going to head back to camp then. Cool right? But remember, sometimes our decisions can become someone else's consequences. So let's pick this up in verse 2. And it says, Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out the town of Ai, east of Bethel near Beth-Avon. When they returned, they told Joshua, there's no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or three thousand men to attack Ai. Since there are so few of them, don't make all of our people struggle to go up there. So, approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at the turn of events, and their courage melted away. Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay, threw dust on their heads, and bowed face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. Then Joshua cried out, O sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you're just going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we had been content to just stay on the other side of the, on the other side. Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? For when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, They will surround us and wipe our name off the face of the earth. And then, what will happen to the honor of your great name? Things did not go as planned. Right? They thought they were just going to be like, yo, we're coming up to AI. Boom, take it down. Cool, awesome, let's go. But, oh gosh, it is like complete opposite. It is like, it is disaster. It is an absolute failure, right? And the only thing than failure itself is failure after success, right? So my youngest son, Pax, he plays soccer. And last year in the, the end of summer, fall season, his team did amazing, okay? Like they won every single game. And you're like, yeah, all right. And then the fall season, they kept winning. Like they were undefeated. It was amazing. And I'm not going to lie. Like I was like, yes, this is so the team to be on, right? Like as a parent, you're like, I mean, we still coach them and like, okay, guys, you still need to work on things. We didn't let their heads get too big, but it was awesome, okay? But that first loss that we felt in the winter season, it like hit us. Even us parents were like, oh, man, because we didn't see it coming. We, We didn't expect it, so it almost hurt more. And this is where Israel's, they did not expect this, right? They thought they were just gonna walk in and take that but it went the complete opposite way. I mean, up until this point, it was just like win, win, win for Israel. So Joshua, he only knows about success. Like that is his only kind of thing. And now 36 men are dead. 
The army is absolutely terrified and the entire nation is completely defeated. Right? They're just like, oh. But it kind of makes you question it though. Like, okay, so if this is the consequence of that one guy, like one dude who stole just a couple things, okay. But here's the thing. Destruction happened for Israel because it happens by just one small step. Destruction happens when we take just a simple step. The real problem was not that Achan took the stuff. The problem was is that he took that step. A step to say, you know what? I doubt God's ways are better. A step to say, you know what? I think I can provide for myself. I trust myself more than God. A step to say the possessions in my hand are more important than the posture of my heart. A step that led him away from everything that God was calling him to be. A step away from the community that he was a part of. A step that led to destruction. And for us as Christ followers, destruction always begins with a simple step where we pursue something else more than the person and the ways of Jesus Christ. So what can we learn from this, right? How can you and I do things differently, right? No one wants to end up in this situation. And I think there are four things that we can learn from this story. And the first one is that temptation is strategic. So Achan came across this stuff and he was tempted, right? He was like, oh my gosh. And he took it. And this is what the book of James says about temptation. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. I love the wording in that, that it says that temptation drags us away. It drags us away from God because temptation leads to sin. And we all are like, oh yeah, sin's bad, right? Well, sin is bad because it separates us from God. He desires to be close, that we would be near, but sin comes in our life and it creates a chasm. That's why it's a bad thing. And so temptation leads to that. But here's the thing. Like, we just don't come along. We're not just like, dun, 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 dun. oh my gosh, I'm tempted, I sinned, right? It's very strategic in our lives. Temptation usually comes from moments or sources that are very specific to you. Because what tempts me is probably not going to tempt you. You'd be like, what on earth are you talking about? We all have different temptations, and it can be a slippery slope, everything from substance abuse, overeating, how we spend our money, what we do online and what we look at online. The words we use, are we gossiping? It's very specific and we need to be wise enough to know the things and to know the times that are very specific to us, that are our triggers that will tempt us to disregard God's ways. Because it's specific to you. But temptation also comes when no one else is around. The scripture gives us no evidence that there was someone else with Achan. So we're kind of made to believe that he was probably alone. 
There was no one there to support him, to encourage him, to say, hey, this choice you're kind of debating, I think you need to think twice. Remember what God said. There was no one there. He was left alone and vulnerable. Because some of the most important decisions that you and I make in our life are the ones we make when no one else is looking. But temptation happens. And we give into it, right? And sometimes we look back and go, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? There was this time in high school, my friends and I, we really like to go thrift store shopping. I really like to find really unique clothes and stuff from there. I love shopping, I'm gonna admit it. I love clothes, I love shoes. Don't ask my husband, because I might get in trouble for how many I have, okay? But I love that kind of stuff, okay? I love it. And so we are there and we're shopping and we find some really cool items. And instead of buying it though, we decided to sneak it into our bags. I knew it was wrong then, I know what's wrong now. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's the worst thing ever. But we decided to steal some stuff. Kids, we don't do this, this is absolutely wrong. For whatever reason, I don't know. Whatever triggered us to think, hey, let's steal used items from this discount store, I don't know, but we did. And the moment we did it, right, I felt it right here in my gut, right? I was like, oh my gosh. this. But what came in right afterwards was the fear. The fear of getting caught, the fear of even wearing the clothes that I got, the fear of being questioned, like, hey, where did you get that shirt? Oh, how much did that cost? I was so fearful of it. So what did I do? I hid it, right? I hid the stuff that I stole when I got home, right? I hid it. I hid it even when I wore it. I'd wear layers over it, and then I could shed them when I was with my friends and being all cool. And I was always ready to cover it up. So I always had a lie ready, right? Oh, the, yeah, this is Krista's stuff. She's just letting me borrow it. Because that's what we do. When we get tempted, we fall into the temptation, and we do something we know we're not supposed to do. We've sinned. We've messed up. We try and hide it. And it's been going on for all of eternity. I mean, Adam and Eve, first people, they're not supposed to eat the fruit. They eat the fruit. What do they do? They try and hide from God. And this is exactly what Achan does. So he has his stuff. He gets back to camp. He gets to his tent, and he hides it under his tent. And this is exactly what I did. Like, I literally stole some clothing, and I went, and I hid it. Now, here's the thing. When we mess up, we don't have some weird magical tent in all of our backyards where we hide our sin. Maybe it's that you keep secrets. You keep some secrets from your spouse. Or maybe it's that person in your life that has really been kind of like an accountability partner. But you just tell just enough so that it feels like you're telling the truth, but you're really hiding some of the things that you're probably really ashamed of. And we also hide it from God in our hearts. We do everything to avoid it, to kind of push it under the rug, to be like, oh, it's no big deal. I just, okay, I, I'm not worried about this. And we just hide it. Because temptation is very strategic. The second thing we can learn from this is that sin is pervasive. Meaning that one person's decisions can become a community's consequences. One of the biggest lies that we buy into about sin is that if it doesn't hurt anybody else, then it's okay. But here's the reality. We don't live in a vacuum where it's just me or just you. Remember, sometimes our decisions can become someone else's consequences. 
And so we're going to pick this up here in verse 11. And this is God speaking now. And he says, Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but they have lied about it and hidden the things among their belongings. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. They, them, all of a sudden, Achan's mistake is now the entire nation of Israel. God's not saying, well, because Achan did this, here are the consequences for you, Israel. He, he, no, he's like, they, them, Israel did this. Whoa, that doesn't seem really fair, right? Like, I mean, that's like in elementary school when that one kid in your class would do something and you'd have to miss recess because of the one kid. And all other teachers are like, well, that's the bad class. And you're like, I was good the whole time. I just wanted to play on the monkey bars. But because of one kid, now you're labeled the bad class. It's not fair. But the thing is, this has nothing to do with being fair. This is more a reflection of one of the most powerful things about the Christian community. In the New Testament, it talks that the church, the believers, that we are compared to as the body of Christ. That we are a body, and it goes on to say that we, have, we are all part of that. We're each a part of it. And that if one part suffers, the whole body suffers. Now, that's not to say that if, hey, I'm feeling sad today, everyone else here who is a believer, you're going to be sad. But when we allow the temptation in our lives and we follow that path and go down to sin, it does not always just affect you, that it can actually affect the entire community. I mean, just think about your pinky toe. If you stub your pinky toe, you're like, <laughs> right? You feel it through your entire body. You're not just like, oh, that was my pinky. Like, you feel it. Sometimes the sin in our lives is felt throughout the entire community. Martin Luther King, he understood this so well. He said, in a real sense, all life is interrelated. All men are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be. And you can never be what you ought to be until I am what I ought to be. This is the interrelated structure of reality. We're connected. It's not just me or just you. Our sin can have an effect on all. And the third thing is that confession is cleansing. We pick this up here in verse 10. And it says, but the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? We skip down to 19. Then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, by telling the truth. Make your confession and tell me what you have done. Don't hide it from me. Achan replied, It is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. Among the plunder, I saw a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 silver coins, and a bar of gold weighing more than a pound. I wanted them so much that I took them. They are hidden in the ground beneath my tent with the silver buried deeper than the rest. So what has happened here is that 
they, 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 they lost the attack. They were defeated. So Joshua is laying flat out on his face, and he is just praying out to God. He's crying out to God, and God goes, stop. I hear that, but I need you to stop praying. It's time to get up, and you need to go to camp. And you need to address the sin that is in camp. And so they come, they go do this, and they basically, they find out Achan, and so then they corner Achan, basically, and then he confesses. But he really doesn't confess. He just admits it, right? Because true confession comes from a heart and an attitude of brokenness with a real desire for change. And I think some of us here, we've been kind of in that same posture as Joshua, We've been crying out to God. We've been saying some prayers, and we have some prayers that feel like they're on repeat because we can't seem to get the answer. We're like, God, I need you to show up. I need you to fix this in my life. God, I need you to intervene in my marriage. I need you for my finances, God. God, I don't know what to do with my kids for school this fall. Do I send them? Do I keep them home? And we are begging God for some answers, and it's real. It's deep. But today, God might be saying, okay, I hear that, but I need you to stop. Let's stop praying for a moment because I need you to get up. We need to talk about some things. We need to talk about the things that you have hidden under your tent. We need to talk about the things that you have been avoiding. It's time to talk about it because sometimes the most powerful thing, more powerful than the songs we sing, than the prayers we pray, the way we serve or the way we give, the most powerful thing we can do is come to our tent and take the stuff that we have been hiding and we come give it to Jesus and we lay it in front of him. Because yes, the tent hides the stuff, but here at the cross where Jesus is, that's where we find the forgiveness. We can hide it as long as we want but it's just hidden. But when we bring it to Jesus, that's where change happens. And that's the fourth thing. The grace of Jesus is greater than our sin. His grace is greater than anything we will ever try to hide. 2 Corinthians 5 says this in verse 19. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Mm, that's so and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. The grace of Jesus because of the cross means that we can come to him and it doesn't matter what we've done or what we will ever do. Because here, the cross, what the cross does for us, that separation that we have because of the sin and the things that we have done in our life, it closes it. Because we, we're coming here. There no longer is the gap. And I know so many of us were like, but I'm so far away. You don't understand what I've done. You don't know the things that I've been through. You don't understand the things I've even tried to hide. The, the days that I was so tempted and I just gave in, you don't understand. It doesn't matter. Because Jesus meets you right here where you are at today. And it doesn't matter how far away you feel that you are from the cross. You just got to go, okay, God, 
I've dug it up, here it is, because then he does it. He takes you closer. He takes you to the cross. He takes you to the forgiveness, to the grace, and where everything is covered, and that's the beauty of the cross. He does that. And so we're going to get ready to close in a song today, and we're going to receive communion. But I'm going to encourage you to take a courageous step. Now, this isn't a physical step. I'm not going to ask you to come up here. We're going to keep all of our social distancing. And for those of you watching online, I'm not asking you to, like, to step into a different room. But to take a step and to look in your heart, to be brave enough to say, what's in my tent? Am I hiding something in there? Have I been avoiding some of the things in my life and I've kind of just shoved them under my tent? And maybe it's the first time you've never really thought about that. I want you to know this is, a, this is the day that you can begin to explore that journey. But may we go into our tent and see what is there so that we can bring it to the cross. And some of you right now are probably going, I know what it is. I can feel it. It's burning inside of me. Some of us, we might need to ask God and say, God, is there something in my tent? Is there something that I need to look, take a closer look at. Because when we do that, we come here. And so many times we feel we have the shame, we have guilt, there is fear for all the things that we have done and experienced in life. But when we come here, we find everything we need and more. Because he is grace. He is love. And he just wants to pour it out on you. He wants to lavish you in it. That you can have real healing, that you can have forgiveness that you can experience new life and a living hope through Christ. That is the opportunity that we all have today. And so we're gonna sing a song, and you can sing along, or you can just take some time to reflect and dig into your tent and see maybe what's there. And then in this song, we are going to receive communion. And so for those of us here in the auditorium today, we all received a communion cup. I would encourage you, to kind of get that ready right now. Um, there's kind of like a top clear layer that you can pull off and then you'll get your wafer out. And then you can pull the silver layer to open your juice. May we take this moment to take a step and look into our tents and ask God, what is it there? and bring it before him to experience his grace and his living hope. Let's pray. God, I pray for each one of us here today and those watching online. I pray that we would be brave enough to go into our tent. Sometimes we have just been shoving things under there. It's been days, sometimes it's been years and there is a lot of pain. There can be shame and fear and guilt, but not today because of you, Jesus. I pray that we would be brave enough to bring it to you and know that you are accepting of us who we are in this moment and you wanna carry us to your cross where we can experience your freedom, your hope, your forgiveness and new life through you, God. I pray that you would speak to us and move to us, that we would see the things that you want to do in us in this moment, God. I thank you that you are God who loves us 
And I pray that each one of us in this place today would feel that and it would go deep into our soul, the amazing, incredible love of you, our Father. Amen. that on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the body. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying this is the cup This cup is a new covenant between God and you, sealed by the shedding of my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink. I'm so grateful for the cross, for 
the price that he paid so that we can experience the freedom and the hope that is found in him. So let, I invite you to stand up as we sing this last part of the song together about the living hope that we find in Jesus Christ because of the cross. The morning that sealed the promise, your buried body began to breathe. Yeah, out of the silence, the roaring lion declared, The grave has no claim on me. Let's sing it again. of Jesus Christ and that is something to celebrate. Man, I'm so thankful for that. Oh, that's so good. Well, I wanna let you know that if you would like to talk or pray with someone, we will have some people out in the lobby that you can go do that. But we are so glad that you are here with us today and we'd love for you to come back next week. We're beginning a brand new series called Pivot. And on August 19th, we'd love for you to come out for our midweek service here at Clinton Township. It's gonna be a great night. So thank you so much for being with us here today. We just ask that as you exit today, just to keep those safety protocols in place, make sure you give some space uh, to keep that distancing. But thank you so much. Go for this new week knowing that you have new life and hope in Jesus Christ.